When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Look at this. This is a live edition of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. We've never done this before. I'm a little nervous. I have a hue above my head. I don't know if I'm going to go see Jesus anytime soon. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, that is not too much of a distraction. Uh, We're brought to you by betonline.ag. And Greg Bedard, what we had tonight, my friend, was a good old ass whooping. Yeah, we did, Nick. I mean, look, just for full transparency, Um, And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but so on Thursday's podcast, I picked the Chiefs, I think, 37-27. The more I thought about it after that and when I wrote my game prediction column, I switched to the Bucs and I predicted, I'm looking for the score, 27-24, a bit of a closer game. But the reason that I switched was – you know, look, I just got to thinking about it, and and so many people have followed me through the years, and they know how I obsess over offensive line play. And I think that line play both ways, defensive lines, offensive lines, I think it really determines most football games. And at the end of the day, once I sat and I looked at the Kansas City offensive line with four of their five preseason starters out, everybody except Austin Reeder, the center who was benched during the season. Uh, once I looked at it, who they were putting in, Mike Remmers at left tackle, who the la- I remembered the last time he was in the Super Bowl with the Panthers against the Broncos in 2015, he was horrible. He gave up three sacks, seven QB pressures in that game. It was one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen. That was when he was playing right tackle. Tonight he was playing left tackle. You had uh, Andrew Wiley playing right tackle in this game. Uh, Wisniewski at right guard. It just, at the end of the day, I couldn't look myself in the mirror and say, like, if you believe these things about football, you can't pick the Chiefs. You can't. Yep. And so basically I came down to, unless Patrick Mahomes is superhuman, like we, and, and has a performance like we've never seen before out of a quarterback, the Chiefs should lose this game. And that ended up happening. Mahomes tried to be superhuman, I think at times, and I think he almost pulled off some plays. Um, but at the end of the day, Nick, they just could not protect them. And the story of the game, my number one headline for this game was the Bucks defense annihilated the Chiefs. I mean, for Patrick Mahomes through three quarters to complete 14 of 28 passes for 114 yards and an interception, uh, you know, a 45.8 rating through three quarters, Yeah, they're never going to win a game that way. So to me, that was the story of the game. I picked the Chiefs. I stuck with the Chiefs, and I was wrong. I was dead-ass wrong. And and here's the issue. I, I think all of us, and I tweeted this a little bit ago at Nixie Radio, I tweeted, you know, we all expected the Chiefs' offensive line to be overwhelmed in this game. That was not a surprise. We were talking about it all week long. The offensive line is banged up. Starting tackles are going to be out, et cetera, et cetera. But here's what I did not expect. 
Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy to be atrocious. Their game plan, Greg, I didn't understand any of it. I mean, honestly, in the first half, they had five carries from their running backs. You're going against a, a two-deep defensive look. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Bucks walked into this game tonight and said, hey, we're going to make sure we don't get beat over the top. We're not going to give up big plays. We're not going to give up explosive plays. And so they were a little light in the box. They had guys set way back to try to stop those explosive plays. And the Chiefs just did not want to try to run the football. And they failed to run the football, even attempt to run the football. And then you saw they go into halftime. They come out of halftime. What they do the first drive? They run the ball. They run the ball. They ran the ball three or four times on that drive in the third quarter to start the second half. They get three points out of it. They didn't run any screens, no wide receiver tunnel screens, no running back screens, no quick hit passing game. They let Patrick Mahomes out there to just dry. He was stuck. I mean, they made him a sitting duck with their offensive game plan, and they failed to adjust until it was way, way too late. So Levante, David, and Devin White, some of those guys in the middle of the field, they also dominated. They were physical with Kelsey. They doubled Tyreek Hill. I thought when you look at this, the takeaway for me is that Tampa's coaching staff outcoached Andy Reid and the Chiefs. And we just, going beyond the game plan, Andy Reid, to me, I mean, you're calling timeouts at the end of the first half, giving Brady more time, made no sense to me. Uh, I know I saw you tweet about this. Uh, Two-minute warning. You come out of the two-minute warning, you're throwing the football instead of running the football. Listen, soak the clock, score points, get into halftime. Don't give an opportunity to Tom Brady to do exactly what he did, drive down the field and hurt you. And I thought Todd Bowles, who is always aggressive, we thought that Todd Bowles was going to blitz, blitz, blitz. He blitzed five times tonight. He said, nope. My front four is going to be able to get after Mahomes. I don't have to blitz that much. Don't have to worry about it. How many times did we see this offense from Tampa chuck the ball downfield with you know high-risk throws? They didn't do a ton of that. They attacked with Gronkowski. And so I thought that the, the Bucs coaching staff did a good job. Leftwich and, and Bowles, I thought, did a good job tonight. I, I do think Leftwich did a really good job, and, and Bowles did, obvious, obviously. He, he did a tremendous job, and – uh, he was one of my biggest factors in this game. But where where I'm going to disagree with you, Nick, is outside of – and we'll get into the, the scenario before the end of the first half where I think that was that was my turning point. It was my second guess of the game, that whole scenario. Outside of that, I, I just disagree with the game plan and the offensive, you know, that they got out coached. I just disagree with that because – you, you, I don't care what kind of game plan you have. And they tried everything. They tried they tried screens. They tried little quick hitters. They tried this and that. It, like they tried everything. They tried they did try to run the ball in the first half. It was the Bucks had the number one rush defense in the league. Five they knew carries, and, five carries from the running backs in the first yeah, half. Yeah, but it, Nick, it wasn't gonna do anything. And and yes, it worked in the second half on one drive because the Bucs relaxed a little bit. They were up. They they wanted to give them the 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 run just like the Patriots have in the past just like other the Raiders did earlier in the season but to me like I don't care what game plan you have if you don't have the Joes you can't do anything and they could not block Nick we came into this game this is why I changed my pick 
I knew they weren't going to be able to run the ball. That means they couldn't stay balanced on offense. They couldn't keep the guys at bay. I knew Bulls wasn't going to have to blitz to get pressure. That played out. They just they could not block anybody. I mean, Nick, when I'm sorry, I don't care what it, the offensive game plan is not going to stop uh, Patrick Mahomes from being pressured on 29 of 56 drops. Saying that, hold on, hold on. Don't be changing my conversation. Don't, don't be changing what I'm saying here. Okay. I'm not saying that if they ran the ball, it was going to all of a sudden turn this into a Kansas City win. I'm not saying that. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is when your quarterback is getting killed, as you're mentioning, when he's getting killed and he's a sitting duck in the pocket, right? When he's when he's getting pressured every single time, run the ball more than five times in the first half. Run the ball more. And I'm not telling you that they'd get seven yards a carry. But it wasn't like Clyde Edwards-Alaire was useless in the first half when he ran the ball. He was getting three, four yards at a time. Give him the football. Maybe give Mahomes a third and four instead of a third and eight, third and nine. I, you know, you would have had Nick. You would have had to run the ball in the first two downs and get three yards each time if, in, to get into third and four. Like that's just not their game. You can make an argument that maybe the Chiefs weren't prepared to play left-handed and play this type of game you could make that argument my my point is about tampa that's precisely what i'm talking about with tampa tampa bay went into this game right and they did what they you know they took everything that we expect them to do and they threw it in the garbage they said no we're going to game plan for this team for this specific no no they didn't nick nick they knew they had a bunch of bums on the offensive line. They knew from the week before against the Packers when they just rushed with four guys and the Packers right. were only missing one offensive lineman, right. Bakhtiari. They got pressured the whole game. That was the difference in that game. The difference in this game was Brady got pressured five times, just like last week. Five times and Mahomes got was pressured 29 times. That's the end of the game. That's the difference. You can't the, – the Bucks knew, yeah, they pressure – that doesn't mean that's who they are. Bulls is an idiot. He knew he could get home with four. That's what he did, and that was the difference in the game. You can yell all you want. doesn't make you right. Todd I am Bowles, right. Todd Bowles is an aggressive play caller. He's an aggressive. Not always. I didn't say every single time. I'm saying. Not against the Chiefs. I mean, not not with, the, with you know, when you have to double two guys. He's an he, aggressive play. When you talk about, when you talk about what. Todd Bowles is as a defensive play caller. I'm not saying 100% of the time. Let's not be disingenuous, Greg. Not 100% of the time. Not every play caller is the same play caller 100% of the time. But what Todd Bowles is, he's defined by being aggressive. He's defined by creating pressure. I don't, I don't, I just, I disagree with that. Okay. I, I've never, right. I've never thought of Todd he, Bowles as Blitzburg bl- or anything. Uh, he blitzes. He blitzes a decent amount. He blitzes a decent amount. A and decent I, amount. I, yeah. I talked to people in Tampa Bay all week long on my show, and we talked about him blitzing and him being aggressive. And I know that even Phil Sims and uh, Phil Sims said in the post game, saying, "Hey, you know, you expect Bulls to blitz more than five times." My my point is this. My point is this: they didn't blitz as much as you thought they were going to blitz. They weren't as aggressive. No, as <laughs> that's the that's just false. I did not expect them to blitz. He did not blitz. Okay, I, I'm saying what I'm saying. What they usually do. What they usually do, and I you know just said, you just said you expected them to blitz coming into this game. I don't know if that's me or uh, a euphemism for everybody. I'm, I'm saying when you look at a Todd Bowles, I expected them to blitz more than five times. Yes, Greg. I expected them to blitz more than five times in this game. Going off of what Todd Bowles is a defensive coordinator, I, I expected them to blitz more than five times. Let's get beyond that. Bruce Arians in this offense, 
uh, again, if you look back at what they do, and maybe you'll disagree with this and yell loud and, and, and do whatever you want to do, but when you look back at the season, what Tampa did an awful lot was run on first down over and over, and even against Green Bay. You can look at their first down play calling. It was run play after run play after run play. Tonight was different. You know, when they got up and they were soaking clock, yes, they ran the football more. But I thought the coaching staff of Tampa, I thought they coached differently than what their tendencies have shown throughout the entire season, not in an individual game, if you look at the entire season. Now, Andy Reid, I, I, I thought he just had an awful night. I mean, beyond beyond the play calling stuff and all that, beyond jumping down that rabbit hole, I thought he was bad. I, I thought using the timeouts at the end of the first half was atrocious. Um, I just I, I thought that, again, I, I disagree about the offensive game plan. Throwing the football after the two-minute warning to me made no sense. He gives the football back to, you know, to Brady and company, and then he decides that he's going to call timeouts when Tampa looked like they were fine running the clock out. They they weren't showing they, they had one timeout left. They go out there as a matter of fact, I think it was what 55 seconds left in the first half. And they decide to run the football on first down with Fournette. I think it was Fournette. They run the ball 55 seconds left, one timeout. To me, that's Bruce Arian saying, hey, we're really happy with the half that we just played. Let's get into into the locker room with this lead. And <laughs> here is here is uh you know, Bruce Arians, who's like, I mean, here's Andy Reid going, no, no, no. We got, we're going to get the ball back, and we're going to drive against Brady. And we're going to, like, sometimes you just got to say, okay, not a good half. Sometimes you see Belichick do that, where his team's been outplayed, and they might even have some time and a timeout or two. And Belichick will go out there, and he'll just tell his guys, take a knee. He'll say, we're playing like crap. Take a knee. We'll get into the locker room. We'll try to figure this thing out and Reed try to get it all back in the final minute of that second quarter, and it backfired, and it actually added to Tampa's lead going into the half, and I thought killed any any hope for momentum for Kansas City. Yeah, I want to get into that scenario in a second, but I just want to I just want to point out to you just to counter that I don't think the Bucks did anything different in this game. And and one of the one of the ways is you might look at you might look at a wide side pass or a short pass as a pass. I can tell you that offensive coordinators and play callers look at them as their running place, their extension of the running game. And the Bucks came out on the first drive, ran the first uh, pass short left to Godwin for one yard. That's that's a glorified running play. Fournette, run. Next possession, first play. Ronald Jones for 13 yards. Next play, Scotty Miller, left end for three yards. Then they come out again, next drive. Fournette for three yards, Fournette for, for six yards, Fournette for six yards. Like this was this was the same Bucks offense that we have seen the second half of the We're season. Go which is, you want to go tit for tat all night. I'm going to say this. I'm talking about the type of runs that they call. I'm talking about giving them all the Fournette and going straight up the middle. The throw to Godwin is, yes, it's a glorified run play, but it's different than we're going to go in between the tackles right up the middle. The Scotty Miller run, which lost three yards, it's a different look early on in the downs. The first play of the game, I, I believe, was also with – I'm saying if you look at their offense and what they do, the vast majority of the time on first down, it's go out there and run between the tackles. That, that's, that's what they – over and over and over again. And I thought, yes, glorified run plays, whatever – they changed it up a little bit. They tweaked it a little bit. When you thought that 
you know, they were just going to do the same old, same old. I didn't think they did it. I, I didn't think they I, did. I, Nick, I, I understand. You made your point. I am giving you my counterpoint. Which you already did, and we tried to move on, but you brought it back up. Yes, because you kept <laughs> – ne- then we talked about the defense, so we argued about that. I moved now, to read, and you brought it right back. So go ahead. And, and you, you made the point that, oh, we'll also look at the offense. They did this differently. I'm pointing you at that they're not. In my opinion – and it, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm saying, in my opinion, this Bucks team has been run-based, short passes. They take their shot, just like Tony Romo was saying in the game. Play-action game, that's what they did. They stayed true to themselves. And because they could, and this is why I thought the Bucks were going to end up winning this game, is because they could play different ways. And if you can run the ball successfully, and in my opinion, Fournette and Jones, the two-headed monster, were more important than Brady in this game, that they were able to do that to keep the, a blitzing pressure defense off of balance uh, was was a huge factor in this game. And so, you know, that that's just where I came down on that. that I want to go through quickly the, the, the second and third headlines that I have for this game. Brady, of course, number two, Brady, of course, wins number seven. You know, he wins his fifth MVP. I, I don't think anybody watching this game thought that Tom Brady was – well, I mean, it – who do you pick? You can't pick anybody from the defense. You can't pick Todd Bowles, and not anybody had like four sacks in the game. So what are you going to do? But uh, Tom Brady wins the MVP. Gronk had a big part in the game, uh, you know, which was great to see, and I'm sure great for Patriots fans. And the number three thing, you know, the first half officiating. It's it, it, it was a story in the game. It will probably still be a story. I don't think it was deciding factor in the game, but I do think it certainly factored into. Uh, the fourth quarter being largely lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at this and I, I say to myself that we all kind of wondered what Brady was going to do with this team and, and how he was going to be able to put the pieces together because you know, I, I do think some of the the late run was in the regular season was overstated depending on, you know, who they played against. Their schedule was really soft in the final month. And, you know, the, the Washington win was okay. It's against Taylor Heineke. It's against a young defensive line. So I didn't put too much stock into that win. Uh, the win against New Orleans, I, I thought was a defensive-based win. And, and Drew Brees, you know, just looked like garbage to me, quite frankly. And I think he's going to retire this week. I, I thought really that the game that you looked at was the Green Bay game. And th- this defense... I understand. Listen, that they've been they've been good for the most part this year. I, I think some of Tom sometimes their secondary takes chances. Jamel Dean takes chances. He can get beat on double moves every once in a while. But you know their secondary is pretty good. Carlton Davis is pretty good. Uh, I didn't know if they're the one thing I would say when I was looking at this game this week was I wasn't sure if their safeties were going to play. I wasn't sure if their safeties were going to be healthy. Didn't seem like they had any issue. Either of them, you know, the Whitehead and, and Winfield, you know, they looked fine out there. So, you know, this is a defense that is very athletic at every single level, yep. They're very fast. And and this is something that we've talked about when we bring up the Patriots, you know, the, the lack of speed and the lack Absolutely. of athleticism jumps out. And when you play against a team like Kansas City, what do you need? You need that kind of team speed on the defensive side. And that's what Tampa has. Uh, again, I, I will I will disagree with some of the play calling stuff, you know, and, and we'll disagree. We'll agree to disagree on that. I'll also agree to disagree on some of the Tampa stuff. Uh, but, you know, overall, the, the other thing that jumped out at me with it to this, you know, 
the other thing that jumped out at me watching this game was the physicality. And I thought that Tampa was much more physical and you could kind of feel it in that game. I, I thought that, you know, Kansas City, I know that you tweeted out, I think it was you, Greg, that tweeted out about Travis Kelsey being somewhat of a front runner. Yep. And, you know, we talk about Kansas City being so fast and athletic and, and fun to watch, but they're not an overly physical team. And, and I think when we look back at the Patriots matchups, one of the reasons why Belichick, uh, Belichick has decent you know, he has decent success against Mahomes in Kansas City, relatively speaking. You know, when you, when you look at the ability to be physical, you know, to jam the guys at the line, to knock Kelsey, and I thought we saw some of that from the Bucks tonight. Uh, yeah, without question. And I think their speed shows up in the physicality. I mean, they just – they tackle hard. Um, they get a lot of fumbles, which the, uh, team speed shows up a lot in fumble stats. But, you know, here's my here's my thing with – the Chiefs offense. And and number one, I do think Kelsey, he's soft. He's such a front runner. And yeah, he made some catches after that later in the game. But you could tell there was a point midway through the third quarter where there was an interception and he's holding his head. And like you could just tell in his eyes, <laughs> he, he had quit. It was over. And like that's the, the, that's the reason why he's never probably going to be viewed as a great guy. Like he'll have great stats or a great player. But it's just not going to ha happen for him. Because he's just not mentally tough enough. He's and, and but I'm not I'm not ready to take that leap with the whole Chiefs team. This is what I saw as far as and you're right. They the Chiefs defense did get pushed around, but the that was because they couldn't play the game on their terms. Nick, they are so used to part of their formula and part of their defensive formula is like, hey, at some point we're going to go on a run, or normally we have the lead, and so. Now all of a sudden the team has to pass a lot. We can play sub a lot. The Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs are almost exclusively a sub package defense. And when you can get out there with a lead, and you know the and with two tight ends, and you can play power football like the the Bucks can, like they can play multi dimensional. They can go out there with five wide receivers, or they can go out there with two tight ends and push you around. So once the Bucks had the lead. Because of the because of their defense, the the Chiefs just could never play the game on their terms defensively, and that's why they look so porous. Because they, it part of their formula is the way the offense plays, and once you, once they didn't have that, the defense got exposed. Yeah, and, and I think you started to see, you know, relatively early that Tampa got into a groove on both sides of the ball, but especially offensively. When the run game started to get going, then play action came into account. Then Gronk came into account. Yep. There was a point where it looked like Kansas City was searching, and they were searching for most of the night. And frankly, they didn't have any answers. Spagnolo had no answers defensively. Uh, Reed and, and Biennemi had really no answers offensively, mostly because of the offensive line just getting chewed up. And they kind of looked lost all night long. This this game was the, the the biggest surprise to me was obviously not the offensive line being overwhelmed. Again, we expected that to happen. I wasn't even surprised that Tampa won this game, but I was surprised how dominant Tampa was. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought you would have at least some of those explosive plays. And when we look at Kansas City, you know, you can't forget what happened after they win their first championship, right? We remember what everybody was saying from this team. They were going on ESPN and they were talking about winning four, five, six, seven rings. Maybe this is the dose of reality. You know, they they had won 
you know, so many games over the past two years. They lost, what, one game when they weren't sitting Patrick Mahomes? When they played their starters, I believe they won one. They lost one game in the last, like, I don't know what it was, 28 or 29. I mean, this has been a machine. And to me, the machine kind of got flipped over tonight. And they had no idea how to respond and how to react. Yeah, Nick, I get it. I'm just, I just think this was a, in my opinion, and you're, you're free to disagree, but I just, I'm, I'm afraid to extrapolate anything from this one game because I just think it was sort of like a cavalcade of events where like, you know, they, like I said, four of their five offensive line starters, I mean, you know, they could get by with Eric Fisher at left tackle and sort of the trickle down effect. But once he's gone and Mitchell Schwartz is gone and all these guys are gone, like they just, they stunk on the offensive line. And I think that was the, that was the issue. Yeah. They're going to have to get better depth there, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's any big, uh, a big storyline or anything to say about how they, you know, and I'm not saying you say this, but some people will say, and I've seen it on Twitter. Oh, well, they're frauds and they're front runners and they're not tough enough in this. And like, you know, okay, you, you, you got the Chiefs this time. I'd like to see them. If they had a full offensive line or at least four fifths of an offensive line, then I like their chances. And related to that, I wanted to ask you, get your input on this because you're Mr. Officiating. What do you think about the calls in the first half and how much do you think it impacted the final score. All right. First, before I, I get to that answer, I do want to circle back about what I was talking about, the five, six, seven rings. It goes into the front runner kind of idea. It goes into when these guys get a little bit of pushback. I agree with you. Again, the offensive line is the beginning and end of this game, right? Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that. We could do this podcast in three minutes and say that we could have walked out. <laughs> like, I could talk about the offensive line the whole game. Oh, oh, the I, whole know. Pod. oh I know. <laughs> but you know, if it just it comes down to that, it really I mean, they just got they get abused. What I'm saying is, you know, when you have a team like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill too. look at Tyreek Hill. Oh, he didn't like the two fingers up in front of his face. Yeah, oh, but but he's Valid. Win- he, he's winning and he can flip into the end zone. Yep. He, that, that's kind of like it, to me, respect the game a little bit more. And, you know, winning five, six, seven times, you're you're not paying attention to how much attrition means to a run like that. And that goes into the offensive line, right? To win five, six, or seven, to win back-to-back, you've got to be healthy. You've got to be good. You've got to be physical. You've and, and I thought some of these warts we saw tonight, and again, I think it's mostly offensive line. I'm not saying that's why they lost the game, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it now when they come back. Now, to get back to the officiating, yeah, I thought the first half, I mean – Listen, I, I thought if you – it depends on how you look at this. If you're looking at this in a vacuum, many of those calls were the right call, right? The, a lot of the penalty flags that were thrown on KC were the – my issue is, and this is the same way I felt, you know, about the uh, Green Bay – I think it was Green Bay, Tampa, going back up yep. ago, when Murphy Bunting is holding everybody yep. at the top of their route mm-hmm. and they're not throwing flags. And he's getting an interception that changes yep. the game. Yep. So when you when you look at this, you know, the precedent in this postseason was they were mostly going to let the guys play. And then you get into the Super Bowl, and in the first half, the Chiefs have, what, eight flags thrown eight out? for now? 95. And the worst one was the the Tyron Matthew uh, oh, interference in the end. So awful that, call. That ball wasn't catchable. Yeah. I, I Here's what I'll say about the officiating. And, and I'm not a big officiating guy, and I still think the Chiefs could have overcome it. Um I thought a lot of the stuff in the first half was horse crap. 
I thought that like the Jensen, the push against Jensen, Jensen hits the guy and then the guy hits him back. Like yeah. we're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. We've gone how many weeks of football? Like, let's just let the guys play. Unless somebody's punching somebody in the face or really trying to hurt somebody, you know, like Indomitian Sue did at the end of the game with Mahomes driving his forearm into his head. Like, let any of that ticky staff tack stuff go. Now, as far as the 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 holding, like the one I think was on the interception where I think the the interception for Brady, which was a huge play. Huge. Um, because they went on to score seven points on that instead of turning the ball over. I think the flag happened on Evans, who wasn't – the ball wasn't even thrown to him. Like, I hate those calls, and I hate them even more in the Super Bowl. The the one deep down the field, down the sideline, which you knew was coming. You knew the Bucks were going to go – it was almost <laughs> like the Green Bay thing all over again. Yeah, I know. Like, what the hell are you doing? Why is he even behind you? But that being said, I, I haven't looked at a close replay. I don't know how close they showed it in the game. But I think there's some question on whether he even touched him. Or whether Evans just tripped, and unless it's clear and, and and clearly evident, I would let that go. And then certainly the one, the honey badger, the one in the end zone was atrocious. That ball, Brady was throwing the ball away. Yeah, and the ref has to it hit the wall. Need, it hit the wall behind it, the end zone. It hit, yeah, it hit the wall. I know Mike Evans is tall, and they like to let it go for those <laughs> athletic reasons. But I think we need a point of emphasis in the offseason. We need to bring back the uncatchable ball thing. Like, it was a big thing in my childhood. Maybe you're a little young for it, but it was all the time. Like, yeah. all of us, we all grew up even in playing touch football out in the street. We'd all go like this because it's it's uncatchable. Yeah. You, you never see that anymore. It's yeah. time to bring it back. Yeah, and the, the hold that was called, you mentioned this, it was on Brady's pick. And by the way, I had a, an over one and a half <laughs> online.ag. I had an over one and a half interceptions. Mahomes' interception with about 90 seconds left cashed me in, baby, with the over one and a half with his two picks. Look at that. But that Brady pick should have been a pick. Yep. And when you look, you look back at that hold, here's the other issue I have with that call. Not just that the ball wasn't thrown towards Evans' way. The other issue I have with the call was that at the top of the route, Evans clearly, clearly dismissed the defensive back. Yep. At, at the top of the route, he, he could have made the play. He threw him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, that's one of those things where like, if you're going to call the hold, like you also have to call it on the offensive player. And to me, just don't throw the flag. Yeah. You know, both guys are grabbing both. I, I saw this tweet, uh, uh, Sterator, Gene Sterator tweeted out this week and said, you know, watch out for this. He said, watch out for two things. Uh, he, he talked about Kansas city and how they're, you know, they're, they're pretty handsy or whatever and all that stuff. But he also talked about the physicality of the receivers and tight ends of Tampa and to kind of watch out for that back and forth hand fighting. And I, I thought that was clear as day where Evans throws a defensive back and they call the hold instead of the offensive pass interference. If you're going to call both or just kind of, you know, just say, Hey, forget about it. But listen, I mean the flags again, Tampa still wins this game if it wasn't for the flag, because Kansas city also just continue to shoot themselves in the foot, the offside on the field goal attempt, yep. it, just stupid mistakes that you cannot live with. You know, you've got the drops. Travis Kelsey dropped a huge third down uh, catch that he had right in his hands. One of the amazing scrambles that Mahomes had. He finds Kelsey hits him right in the hands. He drops it. Then Mahomes makes that incredible throw when he's parallel to the ground and it, it, it hits, you know, the running back. I think it was Williams. 
in the face mask and hits him right in the face yeah. and it drops to the ground. Like you can't have drops. You you can't have those kinds of plays in the biggest game because they're just going to come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah. Last thing on the officiating. And then we'll talk about our friends from bet online and get into uh, Andy Reid's deficiencies in this game. But like you can't, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like the NFL has to figure out a way to be more consistent when Murphy bunting makes two of the biggest interceptions of the postseason to get the Bucks into that game, holding a Saints receiver, holding a Packers receiver, and they let it go and he gets an interception that changes both games. And then they come to the Super Bowl and they're calling holding away from plays when Mike Evans isn't really even affected by the holding. Like, it's just, it's a joke. It can't be officiated that way. They need to figure it out. But anyways... Uh, the Super Bowl may be gone, and I was having some fun over at Bet Online. I hit the over, by the way, on the national anthem. Nice. So I was very excited about that. Uh, but look, they got the NBA, the NHL. I even think they might have some NFL draft props coming up, which I'm kind of excited about. But, you know, as always, it's available online. Your mobile device, visit Bet Online today. Bet Online, your on- online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to re- receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. So coming off this game, uh, always in the bostonsportsjournal.com, we do game report. Uh, the next two categories, I'm combining them. Okay. Turning point in the game in the second guess for me was right before halftime, you touched on it before, Let's get into a little bit more. So the Chiefs are trailing 14 to 6. They get the ball back with 605 at their own 25. They're going straight Mahomes at this point. And it's, you know, pass, 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 scramble, all that stuff. They get down. So they get down. They make a first down. Patrick Mahomes short middle to Kelsey for 11 yards down to the Tampa 18 yard line at the two minute warning. Right. The Bucs only have one timeout left. The Chiefs have, I think, all three at that point in time. Yes, they yeah. do. Yes. Uh, yes, because they use them coming up. Yep. So at that point in time, Nick, like Andy Reid, this is where his deficiencies showed up. When when I, I love this week, of course, going into the game, it's like, oh, you guys all made fun of Andy Reid and his clock management. Yeah, you know, Patrick Mahomes would make me look like a freaking genius on an NFL <laughs> sideline. Yeah. So when Patrick Mahomes isn't superhuman and – playing out of this world all of a sudden Andy Reid's warts start to show up and this is where it does where you come out of the two-minute warning you have to run the ball on first down and stay in bounds now they gave a short little pass to Tyreek Hill there and he ends up going out of bounds but you just don't you don't leave that to chance Nick you run the ball you see what the Bucks do if they if they burn their last time out great if they don't you Take it all the way down. Yep. Then you can do whatever you want. You could do that Travis Kelsey pass on second down. All of a sudden, now you're inside of a minute. You have three timeouts. The game is yours. You get the ball to start the second half. Instead, what does Andy Reid do? They run out of bounds. It's now 152 left. Now they throw in bounds. It only gets down to 110. People were all over Bruce Arians for not calling a timeout there. I thought it was smart because you never know. What if Casey makes a first down in the red zone and – you don't have the right personnel on the field or something, and you need to call a timeout. Or you might get the ball at some point uh, before the end of the half, and you needed to kick a field goal. So I liked him holding on to the timeout. Now it's third and six. You know they have to throw the ball. 
and he throws incomplete. So now they kick the field goal. The Bucks get the ball with fifth left, and you're right. In my opinion, Arians was going to go into halftime with the lead. Yep. And there's no way after they gained uh, – it was no gain on first down. I'm sorry. You let it go down as far as possible, and then you see what happens. You do not force the issue there and and give them a chance to get more points when you're going to get the ball after halftime. I don't know how you saw it. I thought then, that was the biggest part of the game to and me. Then he it completely did, screwed everything up. And then he did it again, right? So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about not running the football. Again, I will say this, and I will disagree with you. I don't think Kansas City ran the football enough in the first half. They showed absolutely zero commitment to it. I thought again that, you know, Andy Reid fell in love with Patrick Mahomes because he's a very special player and he's a special little toy that's on the shelf and he, he can't help himself and he's going to have, you know, pass after pass. They didn't run the ball enough. You had the safeties. You had to force the safeties to come up into the box a little bit so then maybe open up something down deep and, and attack that way. But, yes, so they didn't run the football, which was a mistake. And then not only did he call a timeout uh, early on in that down, you know, set of downs with Tampa – but then it was, what, a third and two? I think it was a third and two, if memory serves me correct. Third and two, they call another timeout. Yeah, it was third. Uh, so it was second and ten. Yes, eight. they get to eight yards. It's right before third and two, they call another timeout there. So you have third and two, and you're calling another timeout. Yeah. Like, it's not a third and seven. It's mm -hmm. not a third and 11. It's, that is the way that Tampa, let's not forget, you know, Tampa was stopped at the one-yard line. Yep. Their offense was doing anything that it wanted to do in the first half. Yep. The way their offense is cranking, third and two, and you call a timeout, you are now begging. You are now begging for Brady to not just put three points up on the board, but a seven spot. They deserved every single point that they gave up at the end of the half. And it's 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 mind-blowing to me because you watch the NFC Championship game and you go, how in the world can a team like Green Bay handle the end of the half like they did? How can and then you fast forward to the Super Bowl and you see a team again mishandle the end of the. This is why we talk about coaching around the league and we say Bel yep. Bill Belichick is easily the greatest of all time. If you watched the NFL, watch across. This is the stuff you see. You you see. Unfortunately, you see it all the time, and it it, it leaves you scratching your head and trying to figure out why somebody can have that job and be in that position and make those kinds of decisions. It it made absolutely zero sense to me. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, Nick. I mean, that was just it, it, that that just they should have gone into halftime. They should have gone into halftime uh, up or down fourteen to six at the least. Yep. At the least, you go down there, you play that better, you come out, you have the ball to start the second half. Instead of instead of a chance to tie, now you're down 21-6 at halftime, yep. and it's a lot different. And now Chris Kelsey's or Travis Kelsey's, uh, you know, walking around with you know a dirty diaper and feeling bad for himself, <laughs> and he's got diaper rash and all that stuff. Like it was like it, it was it was a disaster. And I thought Andy Reid got exposed, and and Mahomes wasn't there to bail him out. Uh, Nick, let's go through uh, real quick our three up and three down each from this game. Who's your number one three up? Well, I'm I'm just gonna give it to the defensive line. Can I do that? I'm just I you mean can do that. Yeah, I, I think just the D line. The D line for Tampa is by far the reason why Tampa won this game. It's the reason why this was such an easy win, relatively speaking, for them. 
which really bothered me, by the way. Like, how many Super Bowls? We see Brady win six Super Bowls with the Pats, and they're all nail biters. Exactly. First time he wins a Super Bowl outside of New England, it's a keep your feet up and just drink and enjoy the night kind of Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, number one for me was, and I keep going back and forth, uh, I will, I'll say Todd Bowles, just because I think that his his plan as far as uh you know staying on top of Tyreek Hill even though I don't think it was very inventive I did have a question on whether he was going to take the Patriots approach and keep a safety over the top over Hill all the time yeah. and that's what they did and then they kind of let Kelsey a little bit loose inside but Devin White and and Levante David were always there and always in his grill and uh and, and exposing him for being soft so uh Bowles is my number 1 Number two? Yeah, Bowles was actually my number two. Okay. And, uh, you know, I know you disagreed with this vehemently earlier in the podcast, but I'll say it again. I, I did think that he changed some things. I thought he wasn't as aggressive as he usually is. I don't know if we want to get wrapped up into the number of blitzes versus number of blitzes he's had throughout the year, but I, I thought he was not as aggressive in his, in his play calling, and I, I think what you just mentioned is a good point. You know, keeping that safety over the top against Hill. It's not playing aggressive. It's playing somewhat safe. It's saying, hey, listen, we're going to let our front four get to the quarterback, and we're going to trust the coverage, and we're not going to allow these crossing routes against man coverage to beat us over and over and over again. So I, I thought I thought he had a heck of a night. And I don't see it was really weird. I know some people were tweeting about this, but it was true. Like they never showed bowls. Like they waited until like the fourth yep. quarter to show him. And it's like it was like he wasn't even part of the game. Romo and Nance didn't bring him up until like the fourth. It was the oddest thing. But anyway. I know, but we could talk about Jim Nance's ball washing, even though of Tom Brady, even though I really, I'll tell you what, I thought the the best line of the night was very early when Jim Nance said, uh, he's like, oh, Tom Brady was the first one on the field and he was just gazing around and told me, Tony yeah. Romo's like, I saw you gazing at Tom. <laughs> and, and even Nance was like, Easy. There's a whole backstory there. Like Brady was at Nance's wedding. Like it's yeah. it's ridiculous. But anyways, can I say number... quickly though? Because I, yeah. I the one thing that really really pissed me off was all of a sudden you know Kansas City's down. They're down a decent amount. It's getting later in the game, and then all of a sudden Tony Romo starts talking about Mahomes' toe. Yeah, that pissed me. It's like come I on. I saw I saw how irritated you. Well, and the look, first, the first it, two and a half three quarters they don't mention it. He's yeah. He had 33 yards rushing. He's running around the entire night in the pocket, scrambling for his life. It's like, dude, if his toe was that much of an issue, he would have been sacked 15 times tonight. Like, he's still, his mobility is still there. He's extending plays, and he's running mm -hmm. over football. So I just, I thought that was weak. I, I, I completely agree with you, and, and I didn't know why he was doing it. Nobody talked about it when they were winning the AFC Championship game. It wasn't a factor now. It, you know, it was more that he had to run around for his life in that uh, you know, and that I'm sure didn't make his foot feel any better, but it wasn't a factor at all. Number two for me was Devin White. Um, I thought he, I thought you could make the argument that he was the best football player in the field. I mean, that kid, sideline to sideline, just all over the place, tackling people, being he, his speed. I mean, it's it's amazing. Levante David for so many years in his career was like the show on the Bucks defense, yeah. and now White has just eclipsed him and made him almost look like an old grizzled veteran compared yeah. to him. Weiss just tremendous. Uh, yeah. Number three for you? He's a freak of an athlete. Yep. I'm going to go with the offensive line of Tampa. Yep. A lot of people are going to talk about Brady. And listen, 
he's the greatest of all time. He has been the greatest of all time since I think, you know, ring at least six, yep. not five. But he he was hardly touched tonight. That Tampa offensive line was tremendous. They kept Brady clean. Uh, they also bulldozed that defensive front of Kansas City. They were able to run the football down their throat in the second half. I, I thought Tampa's O-line had a great night. Yeah. Number three for me was the double-headed monster of uh, Fournette and Jones. They yeah. were just – to me, they were the – that they the Bucks were able to stay – so balanced and Brady only had needed to throw for 200 yards and the play action was there to give him some openings and a lot of easy throws. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say there were a lot of, um, uh, what big time throws that like PFF yeah, would say. I would agree. Um, I mean, 16 for 89 for Fournette, 12 for 61 for Jones, uh, a long of 27 for Fournette, a long of 13 for Jones. Those guys were just, they were a double headed monster they were way better than the Chiefs were able to run the ball. The balance that they were able to achieve, uh, you know, I'm sorry. To me, it just eclipsed Brady in this game. Three down. Who you got number one? Oh, Kansas City O-line. Next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went a little bit more individual. I went I went with Wiley, the all right the tackle. up front, all of them. Just awful. Did, did you see that one run by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire where Wiley completely whiffed on the guy and – Edward Solaire stopped and still made about a 15 yard run. Like yeah. it was that way all night. I also had, I had Remmers as my number two down and my number three down. Yeah. He had a hundred yards in the game, 10 catches, 133 yards. Whoop the damn dude, Travis Kelsey, you <laughs> soft as Charmin quitter. I'm sorry. Like that was the most useless 10 for 133 in Super Bowl history. I got Andy Reid and I got Tyreek Hill on my list. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed Tyreek Hill and we know his story off the field. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy watching that dude. Uh when when he's getting picked on, he doesn't like it. He's crying. Again, it, it goes into the idea of Kelsey. There is there is a little bit of front running on this team. I don't think Mahomes is, by the way. You know, Mahomes is out there battling his ass off. He's getting hammered, and you know, he he kept trying to play. He kept he kept trying to play. But I do think you know Hill and Kelsey. You can get under their skin. You can bang them up a little bit. Uh, all right. So one take that you will probably regret later, Greg. One take that I will probably regret later. Um, for this game, uh, you know, let's just all right. This will we'll wrap this into also the question of the day because I'm sure a lot of people are curious about it. Uh, you know, the whole Tom Brady and his value and all this stuff. Do I think? Do I think Tom Brady made the difference on this Bucks team winning this Super Bowl? The difference. I don't know. I'm not quite ready to say this. Let me let me answer this question instead. Do I think that Tom Brady is the only quarterback in the NFL that could have gone to Tampa Bay this year and done this? I don't think he's the only quarterback that could could have done it. I think that I think that Russell Wilson could have done it. I think that Aaron Rodgers could have done it. I think that Patrick Mahomes could have done it. I think that now the the second tier those guys we'd have to go through them and I'd have to think about them. Deshaun Watson, I think, could have done it. I just think I think people, and I've been making this point for the last two months, and I think now people should realize that they won't. They'll just be like, oh, Tom Brady, seven titles, five Super Bowl MVPs, you're the greatest, oh, I love you. That That's fine. <laughs> but look, 
if you don't recognize now that that Tampa Bay team is damn good, like if you're if you're just telling me that it was just Tom Brady, I'm sorry, I'm still in the same place I was, which is you are doing a disservice to those 53 guys in that team, that coaching staff, those guys in the front office. Give Jason Light a hand. Leonard Fournette made a huge difference in this game. AB helped. Tristan Wirfs, the t- the the right tackle, first rounder, was a huge thing in this game. The defense. Look, I, I, if you're reasonable, you should agree that the Bucs were not a 7-9 and nine team last year, not with 30 interceptions. With decent quarterback play, they should have been 10-6, and 11-5, and five, and they had a little bit of an easier schedule this year. So, I'm sorry, I am still not budging off of my viewpoint that Tom Brady proved his greatness even more by doing this. I'm just... I will, ne- I will never say that. I just won't. I, I, it just goes against everything I believe. I am a teamist. This is a very good Bucks team that Brady caught at the right time. I give him credit for seeing the future. He called them special when he was talking with Arians and, and, and Jason Light. He said, we have a chance to be special. Tom Brady is the GOAT in terms of personnel because he saw it coming. My hand to him, but I do not think that this changes anything. I do not think that Tom Brady walks on water and can change the fortunes of anybody. He just went to the right team at the right time. The take that I will probably regret later is we will be in this spot a year from now talking about Tom Brady winning again, Tampa Bay winning again, ring number eight for Brady. He said it right on the stage tonight. I'm coming back. He's not going to feed into any story. He wants to be back, and I, I feel like he wants to be back to win another Super Bowl, to go back-to-back. And what an amazing story that would be. The last quarterback to win back-to-back Super Bowls, as we all know, was Brady 03-04. Imagine, you know, he does it in 03-04, and then he becomes the next guy to do it in 2020-2020. That is absolutely absurd. And I'm not going to go against the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty difficult. This team is loaded. They have some free agents. Levante David could end up leaving. Uh, Chris Godwin is also a free agent. We'll see how that shakes out. But, you know, this team, is it's very talented, as you said, Greg. And uh, I think Tampa has a great shot at repeating. And I think Brady, as long as he stays healthy, fingers crossed, and he doesn't fall off the Max Kellerman cliff, I think we're talking about, you know, him winning ring number eight. And that's just, I mean, it's just crazy. It's its absurd. The guy's been to 10 Super Bowls. He's won seven now. its I, And I, I know what you're saying about the team. And I do think Tampa was better than people thought that they were. Jameis Winston threw 33 picks. Uh, you know, that's that's you got to try to throw 33 picks uh, in the NFL. But uh, yeah, I think this team is this team is very very talented. And you know, I see Brandon Cauley. I've been looking at all the chats. You know, no one is leaving. We'll see. You know, we'll see if they run it completely back with everybody. If they do, they're going to be a monster. It's tough to go back to back, but. I think that would be the icing on the cake for Brady. Back to back, seventeen years separated. Just- yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I think that this I think this team is loaded. I think they're primed, and I think that that back to back carrot that you're talking about is just the type of thing to motivate Brady in the off season. And uh, I think you know we disagreed a lot on this podcast, but I think we can agree on that, and that's a good way to finish. 